everybody and welcome back to the DM's Book Club, your favorite place for random ramblings about D&D and other DM-related menagerie of issues. I, I've, I've lost track where I'm going with this one. This is an intro yeah. that has gone wayward. No, oh. you're just going to have to put up with it. It's going to be great. My name <laughs> is Ryan and I am here today with my favorite co-host, the only co-host, it's the hello <laughs> hello god that's quite a statement the only co-host ever You're the best i work with oh that that's, so, that's yeah. very sweet thank you right to the top of the tree mm. how are you doing you're right yes i'm doing okay uh, we had snow here i know you had a bit of snow as well and that, yeah. that that was that was amazing you have to put it in context snow in london is is so rare I think mm-hmm. I've been living here for nine, ten years now, wow. and it's probably the third time I've seen snow. Mm-hmm. And the second time I saw it was a week ago. So this <laughs> this weather spat like pattern has been nuts. Like I've never seen snow mm-hmm. settle in central London before. I don't know about you, Ryan. In fact, I'm one of those people that like for the first hour it's like, oh my god, snow. And then any hours after that, I go, oh my god, snow. Like, because I I <laughs> obviously I, I'm a person that goes places if I had my shopping all planned, you know, because obviously can't go out as much. And I was like, well, I can't go out. And this i might bambi on ice when there's yeah. lots of snow and stuff so i was like every so often i'm just looking out and go god damn it snow <laughs> like, <laughs> just on that. oh you see i'm still at that sort of whimsical child aspect to it i haven't quite reached that point i love it when it gets a bit snowy and icy because when you're out and you're walking about nobody else is out mm-hmm. like the world is yours it's a bit like if you're willing to stick proper waterproofs on and go for a walk in the absolute torrential rain it's mm-hmm. brilliant because nobody else goes out like the world is yours at that point so mm. it's that sort of thing. You're watching everybody skate around. And I don't, around where we have, uh, mm. there are joggers that are out every hour oh. of every day and yep. they did not stop once in all of the snow and ice. It's amazing. Like my wife and I are out on a walk and we can barely stand up in places. The black ice, you know, when it really mm-hmm. compacts down and gets really smooth like a mirror. Ugh. And there are runners just scortling over it. And I'm thinking, how are you doing that? They must know something we don't. Because, I mean, joggers are out all the time. And I think it's because mm. it's that whole sort of thing that like we need our exercise, which, again, that's totally fine. Like I do it as well. But it's the point where like, is there a fun run I don't know about? Is there like a world? Who's won? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or secret Illuminati confirmed. One of the two. Oh my god! I think it's got to be. Got to be what it is. <laughs> but before we talk too much about the secret Illuminati and summon the assassins onto our head, let's dive in to our episode for today. Mm-hmm. So, what are you planning to talk about today, Fee? Ah, uh, well, you know, it's like a great conspiracy, but. It's on a similar note. I don't know about you, Ryan. I like puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> right. Before you even get started, okay, I would like to clarify this because I have been DMing for Fee for about three years now. And every time <laughs> I have ever put a puzzle into any session, the amount of eye rolling I get from Fee is enough to actually separate her eyeballs through the back of her head onto the floor and down the stairs of whatever like entrance there is into the room. When you said, I want to do puzzles for the first time on this podcast, I went, I'm sorry, is that an autocorrect? Like, <laughs> yeah, puddles. <laughs> no, I let me put some context to this. I think in DD. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm I'm all this. I'm all this. Oh, good. Uh, (laughs) It's out of puzzle in itself. Anyway, look, there's. Right, in D&D, we have there's like many staples. You've got your dungeons, your dragons, your treasure, your mimics, your gelatinous cubes. Fine, fine, fine. One of the other big things we've always heard is that you're in a dungeon and there is some sort of challenge or obstacle that's in the way 
And instead of using combat skills or your persuading stuff, players have to use their sort of know-how and knowledge to get across it. And the most sort of easiest format to do that is through puzzles. Now, puzzles are different to riddles, right? <laughs> that is, okay, that is I'm a, glad that we is, got that clarified. That is a different distinction. And but here's the thing: I also like riddles, but when I can get, <laughs> when I can get, right. them, also rubbish. But continue. Also rubbish. So I thought we'd look at a way of putting in puzzles and stuff, a different kind of encounter, as it describes in Tasha's, that tests people in a dungeon, in an urban setting, in any sort of campaign. Because I think it's actually an interesting way to get teamwork together. You think about how many escape rooms now are like really big online. There are riddles podcasts that people are listening to. And you know, I just find it really fascinating because you get those two people, like, as you were saying, those people who really love it. And so people who are just like, wait, what? And then trying to figure out. And then when they get the answer, they're like, oh, bastards. And, and they yeah. feel, yeah, you feel really stupid or you feel really great. So, yeah, yeah. I think it draws in a particular type of player that not necessarily is catered for in a lot of what D&D does as a, as a main trope. I mean, right at the start, I'm thinking when I was reading with DM's guide, at the beginning, so this is before any of the books came out, they talk about different styles of players and you've got people who are really into the RP, people who just want a hack and slash, you know, a roguelite experience where they get put in a dungeon, there's a skeleton, crit, there's a skeleton, crit, and, and that's what they're looking for. Then the min-maxers, the scientists sort of types and puzzles... Yeah, as you say, it fulfills a scratch on a particular type of player that really enjoys thinking and using skills and using a little bit of lateral thinking or spells in an unusual way. You've all know the sort of player that looks at a spell list and goes, okay, that's interesting, but how can I really mess with a DM with this spell? Mm -hmm. Puzzles are really good for that sort of sideways exploration of a, of a character and what they can do. Some of the ones you've got picked to talk about today are very intriguing. So mm. where do you want to start? Yeah, so where we've got these puzzles from, the Tasha's called Everything. I know that's like my favourite book just now for this book club, <laughs> but I'm going to use it until something else comes out. So what's great about it is it's the first section I've seen in a DM book or a D&D book even that talks specifically about puzzles and like why to use them and how to use them. And there's actually a whole range of them. We've picked three of them because I know some people were like, oh, but I want to find it out for myself. That's totally fine. So we're going to only spoil three of them for you. I've also picked three that don't rely on visual handouts or clues. Because yeah. when we're online and stuff like that, whereas you can normally quickly draw something and then hand it to your players or do a whiteboard player, I thought, why don't you just have something that is just purely visual and it's just through your words that you're giving the puzzle? So I thought I'd choose three different ones. And there's three different levels in Tasha's. You've got easy, medium, and hard. And the idea behind that is that the harder the puzzle, the more likely players need hints but not necessarily it seems less intuitive so they might have to work harder so we're going to do one yeah. easy one medium and one hard and we'll just do a brief explanation of all of them and how Tassus suggests how to put them into your campaigns and customize it for that Perfect. I have to say, Tasha does a fantastic job at 
giving the sort of aspects of, of how puzzles work in terms of these are all the things that I have, these are the features, you've got solutions, you've got the hints. And I think mm-hmm. when we talk about all the puzzles, it's worth bearing in mind that they are designed to challenge a player's mind yes. without necessarily tapping into the skills of D&D too much. This isn't mm-hmm. supposed to be a group skill challenge or something that relies on a lot of dice rolling. And, and I think that's worth pointing out. There's, there are hints that can be given for each puzzle and they're all locked in with particular skills and if you've got proficiency in those skills you get the hints automatically if you ask for them Mm -hmm. so there's very little mechanics at play here i think this is really designed to genuinely test you in the in the player seat you're you're the one sat there you've got to actually engage your brain for this one and think about what you're doing Mm -hmm. which is a little bit scary and just to quickly add on to that there is a line right at the beginning that says don't worry whether it's the player or the character that's solving the puzzle because ultimately you know the lines are going to blur because the player will take over trying to think about it and ultimately it is about the group of players enjoying the challenge. As with yeah. all these things, it's all about all these players coming together and solving a challenge like an escape room, rather than, well, was it your character that said it? And if a player suddenly knows what the answer is or has heard about the answer before the puzzle starts, they're encouraged to sort of help with the hints, perhaps. And that's the one thing I do like about Tasha is that all the hints, you have at least three of them that you could give out. So I don't know about you, Ryan, if I was doing puzzles, I would be like, if I say this hint, you're going to get it straight away. So it's nice to have uh, little standards to go through. Easy puzzle. All right. Let's start with creature paintings. Very nice, easy, straight one. And what's cool about this one is that it works anywhere that makes sense for characters to be perusing several fine pieces of art. Now you think, oh, well, that's odd for a dungeon, but that's what's cool about all these puzzles is that they're not necessarily just in a dungeon or in a crypt or anything like that, that you have to bike past certain old security or anything like that. It could be anywhere, like a fine manor, an art museum, maybe somewhere urban or even like a a vault which just happens to have paintings in Mm. and the idea is that your characters can see these seven different paintings which all feature a number of creatures of a particular kind and there's a little plaque which says in order to gain all knowledge one must know where to start count on your enemies to reveal the source of the secret this room is dedicated to defeat of all monsters within from this the idea is that you can see that these creatures these seven paintings have different creatures in them and if you count how many creatures are in each painting and then know what the name of the creatures are it's trying to indicate that you are counting on your enemies counting on them so you can think okay you've got what is it you've got like uh three nulls so three digits into null is o uh there is one werewolf so one into werewolf is w and so on and so forth and then you get the name out to go through all these seven paintings of a creature. And that is essentially it. You just get like a phrase from all these seven paintings. And usually when the players are doing it, they'll probably get it in a random order. So they have to uh, rejig the words from an anagram or anything like that. And that is literally it, just one page and just describing like, here are the paintings, you know, here's the word that they get at the end. And then here's how you change it. And I just thought, Mm. so simple, it's a page, could go in anywhere. And I like this one because it's got a couple of component steps that are all pretty simple when you look at them all separately, but adding them together may not necessarily be something your players jump to immediately. The mm-hmm. idea that there are seven paintings on the walls, okay, you're going to be quickly get the idea that the paintings are going to be useful in some way. They all have different creatures in, okay, that's going to be 
probably relevant. Mm-hmm. They'll have different amounts of creatures in, and the hint specifically says to count on your enemies to reveal the source of a secret. Okay, counting them is probably going to be important as well. But then taking that information and saying, well, now we've counted all the creatures, what are we then going to do that information? The jumping mm-hmm. to the taking the letter out of the names of the creatures that are in the paintings, that's quite a difficult step. Mm. So it's interesting. It gives people a little bit of a chance to sort of write stuff down, have a think, talk amongst themselves, encourage teamwork, you know, really getting people to try and chat amongst themselves and think laterally. I mean, how would you approach this if your players were really giving you the blank stares? They've they've been pulling their hair out. They're not entirely sure where to go with this. What what can you do? So in the hints section, it talks about two things they can do. They can either do perception or investigation. It says there's DC 10 on this. So it's a fairly just straight roll on that front. Or if, again, like you said, if they've got proficiency, then they'll probably get it. If you deduce that the number of uh, creatures in each painting is important and use that number to determine... Uh, oh, it's an interesting one, that first one, isn't it? Because it says use the number to determine which letter of the creature's name they should review. Mm. I, I think that's a bit more of a giveaway one than the perception one, where it says when you're looking at the dedication, the words count on uh, stand out more than the rest of the plaque. So I don't know, actually, in, in this respect, I feel like if you're giving like a, a hints in a certain order, maybe you do the perception rather than investigation, even though I think players would probably be looking at the paintings more, maybe looking behind, seeing if there was a hidden switch or anything like that. I agree with you. With this one, I think with this, it is more using like the comprehension skills and just having a little think about using that. Like, yeah, like I said, those lateral skills, but going, okay, so what could this mean? Yeah, with the significance of the final phrase, I quite liked how it said like it could either refer to another item on a scavenger hunt or something of a bigger uh, mystery that's going on. I actually used it, or tried to use it in our uh, brawl room campaign, right mm. at, in the middle, where there was like those seven paintings and a plaque, and the player just went, "That's interesting," and turned around and left, which was great. <laughs> um, but there was, uh, for me, because I just I just took it straight out of the book. Uh, there was an owlbear statue or an owlbear stuffed animal or whatever in the front hall, so I'd, I sort of already laid the seed that there was something already there. And if they'd made the connection of what the owlbear was, they'd be like, oh, and if they go invest in the owlbear, then they would find something else. It's all about context, isn't it? All of these puzzles can be massively changed in both difficulty and obviousness by where you put them in a campaign. If you're going for a dungeon crawl and it is a linear path, you go from room A to room B to room C to room D, and this is one of the rooms you've got to clear in order to progress to the next area, you're going to look at it and think, okay, this is a puzzle, we need to solve it to progress. But if you've got a situation where, like in the campaign you ran, where the puzzle was almost adjacent to the story, maybe because it was side loot, there was extra treasure to find or something off the beaten path, or maybe it was one of three different things the players could do Mm -hmm. to actually progress with the story. So, you know, they could have solved this or they could have interrogated somebody or they could have fought something, different options to get to the same point. Then it may be less obvious that this is a puzzle to solve. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of maneuverability in how you want to present this and how difficult you want it to be solved and and, or actually even found in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the joy of it is, really. Mm, that is an incredibly fair point as well. Like if you've got other distractions happening at the same time and you're not just in a locked room or a locked corridor, like you said, the linear path of the adventure, then yeah, it's more likely that they're going to miss it by accident. And that I think that's completely fair. I think the other thing to think as well 
is that it says right at the beginning, it talks about sometimes it's okay for you know puzzles to be solved instantly, but also it's okay for, if they're not solved for many sessions. And giving that players time to think about it and ponder about it. Again, I guess it depends on if your puzzles are more riddle-based of the temptation to go and look it up somewhere or if it's just like ah, oh, i'll just type in the whole puzzle as i know it and see if there's another version out there that i can look at i guess that that would be the only temptation i guess as a player but you'd hope players aren't like that just to quickly finish off on the creature painting one in terms of customization Natasha suggests like you can replace monsters with pretty much anything that is distinctive so you know groups of objects or professions which i thought was quite cool so if you can imagine like a a family uh portraits you know that sort of thing but everyone's like artificers or clerics or stuff like that i thought that'd be quite cool if you had that in a big sort of um a guild perhaps and there was like a mm. secret room i thought that was quite cool to have basically you know it's just saying like this is just one way of just grouping things together but they have to be distinctive in some way it can't just be just random landscapes because otherwise why would that stand out to the players yeah something you can count even you could have family portraits of various generations of a family with different numbers of family stood in the portrait as well mm-hmm. so there's this person with their spouse and three kids and this person's all alone and this person has 17 people in the painting and you know whatever it might be you could you could have some fun with that but yeah as long as you're willing to spend a little bit of time to find a word that you want to actually then make an algorithm well a little puzzle from because you've got to dissect that word and then find other solutions to make it work mm-hmm. i think the customizing i would look at is is yeah the context as well is as much as anything you, you could easily have this as a side puzzle that you present to the players very obviously but they don't have to solve to progress so you tempt them with a bunch of treasure on one side and say hey if you solve this puzzle then you know that there's extra stuff here but i'm not going to make you do mm-hmm. it i'm not going to actually force you to solve this puzzle you can progress with the story and i'm just going to leave this hanging over you for several weeks <laughs> or you can make it really obvious and tie it into a, a trapped room of some kind the walls are closing in unless you solve the puzzle and then they think oh okay yeah we're gonna have to do this now but that is an easy puzzle do you have something that will Stretch us a little more. Yes, I do. So we'll, we'll now move on to our medium puzzle, which is just called Members Only. This is a puzzle that can be used as a way to get past an obstacle in the sense of like you're trying to get into the Thieves Guild or there's a secret cult or something like that. And you know there's a way into this place through a guard. And it sort of sets it up saying like the building or wherever it is, there's only one entrance in and it's through a barred oak door with sort of slits. And it talks about being dead bolted from the other side and there's a guard on the inside that's guarding it. And essentially, someone will go up to the door, the guard will open the slit, say a number, and then the person will also say a number, and is either turned away or let in. I like yeah. the description on this one as well, because it really sets the, the scene. It's, as I said, the good thing about Tasha's is it gives you these purple boxes on the page that you're mm. supposed to say when somebody comes. So the picture puzzle that we've just did had a lovely scene where it sets into the galley, a gallery, I should say the galley. I've been playing too much Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves. I don't <laughs> I've got it in my mind. But it just says, you watch a figure approach an oak door with a slide window. As soon as I see a slide window written down everywhere, you think, oh yeah, here we go, some sort of password. <laughs> the figure knocks and a guard opens the window and says six. The figure replies three. The guard then opens the door, allowing the figure to enter. 
Oh. And that is it as well. There's no flavor. There's no like description of the guard or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just pure that. And I can imagine the players going, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It, all it says is that the guard has to be a any sort of talking creature. So, if, I mean, more monstrous options include bugbear, werebore, or nykaloth, if yes. that's something you really fancy. Yeah, just throw a yugaloth in there. That's, that's a great thing. So, obviously, it seems fairly straightforward that for players who are like, oh, well, this is easy. We just go up and say the same thing. Because, again, there's no there's no check for this if they're hiding it for the first one at least and so they go up and the guard does the same thing but says a different number i just love that idea that sort of initial sort of thing where they go oh it's a different number what what do i do and then you say something and then presumably you get turned away and then it gives carries on with this example saying that you see at least up to another four people going and doing the same thing and out of the sort of four of those two are turned away from whatever their answer is given but it also says that if you are trying to listen in to what these people are saying everyone needs to make a group stealth check so already you have to do something else at the beginning to get that more information that's already its own hint in itself i think just quickly going through the other examples so someone goes uh, the guard says 12 person says six they're allowed to enter uh, the guard says 10 person says five and they're turned away the guard says seven person says five they enter and then finally the guard says zero person says one and is turned away so it seems like a very random sort of thing so you may think that this is a mathematical equation and it sort of misleads you into thinking that as players I, like i when i read this and didn't read the answer at first i was like well i don't actually know what this could be because <laughs> mm. the, the first thing is your mind is right i think the number's being halved that's all it is it's 12 to 6 and 10 to 5 oh no they've got turned away okay so it's not that and then zero being given as a solution you start to think oh hang on the maths of this is beginning to get a little bit complicated now this mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't feel very good but this is not maths at all is it no it's so essentially it is very similar to the creature painting so the valid response is giving the number of letters in the number that the guard sets and it's quite nice because it actually describes that the solution like you said yes it's supposed to mislead uh, players into thinking they've overheard a maths question so they need to overcome their own assumptions about stuff i think that's incredible because a lot of the times in riddles and stuff there has to be assumptions made in order mm. to think in order to work out the puzzle so there's just something about this I quite like where it's like, oh, I've made an assumption here that it's going to be maths based and we can easily work this out because there's a way to do it. And then it's not. It's just a completely disguised way of doing it. I just thought that was just so clever. And mm. it, it talks yeah. about when you're customizing it, the more of the puzzle that plays with the numbers as words rather than as the numerical digits, the more challenging it's likely to be because you have to, as players, challenge that initial assumption that, oh, it's a maths question rather than a comprehension question. And it's such an elegantly simple solution as well. That's the frustrating thing. I can imagine the penny dropping on your players during a session and everyone goes, oh, or a delightful like exclamation of breath, whatever the reaction may be. It, it's a real one where you go, okay, that is, that's fantastic. Five, literally the answer is four. Four, the answer is four. Nine, the answer is four. You're starting to go, okay, now I get this now. I really begin to, I'm getting this as a solution now. But as I say, there are hints you can be given as well, if required, a little bit harder this time. Mm, yeah, so the investigation and insight ones you get, the investigation one talks about, well, the, there doesn't seem to be a mathematical equation at all. And I think that would give them the first clue. It's like, okay, we need to think about this in a different way. And then the insight one, again, is a bit more stronger at this point. It's suspect it's something to do with the word being said rather than the number. So again, mm. both of those are just trying to disassociate from it being a maths question, which mm. I think these are a bit more suitable without necessarily giving the answer completely away compared to the creatures one. But yeah, I, I just quite like that in the sense of it talks about 
about like you don't have to use numbers as the words you can use them as anything you can use uh like flower as in the actual flower that grows outside so that is uh, six and, and then any other words like that you know if you, it's all themed in some way you can also exactly. do that yeah, the number that is provided as something you've got to find the solution to could be changed to absolutely anything. But then I quite like the, the there's another variation of this, which makes it even harder, where the response required doesn't have to be the number of letters in the word. It can mm. be any other word with that number of letters in it. So you could say, okay, rose, and somebody replies with ball, and that's fine is an answer. And you think, okay fine maybe that would be easier maybe it would be harder it depends on how your brain works i think there's all kinds of variations on this deceptively simple and you could put it in any way like you said it talks about gaining entry into some place but actually i and you could use it as sort of like oh it's getting into the big bads hideout or anything like that but i think like if you were using like a, a flower example or like more nature words and stuff like that maybe you could go into a druid circle maybe with the passcode to it like a cool bar i don't know like i just thought it's just something different if you can't get in you're not allowed in as you try and attempt to get in more guards come out and there's like no other way in and it doesn't rely on magic per se like again with all these things that you think oh well maybe they'll just magic their way in in some way but if there's already lots of guards in there seems like a silly thing to do so they have to engage their brains first uh, and think about how to do this encounter without combat or using magic per se anything that doesn't have a sort of combat related thing although it does sort of give a dm's solution if they do try and attack where there's just loads of guards waiting behind the door so don't don't bother it's <laughs> not going to work for you that would describe itself as a medium puzzle mm-hmm. do you have an example of a hard puzzle for us i do now this hard puzzle i think is very much context specific i guess it takes a little bit more tweaking i think compared to the other two that we've just discussed so we're going to look at the hard puzzle which is the haunted hallway and the idea behind this one is that there are you know it talks about you know, spirits that linger in the world because they can't leave something behind they have unfinished business so finding this solution means that a ghost finds peace in some way so it describes that you are in a sort of a hallway and at one end of the hallway is a ghost girl crying and it talks about like she's non-combatant she's not gonna she's not gonna fight you she's gonna keep appearing and disappearing until you actually speak to her and her unfinished business is very simple she can't pick up her doll that's on the ground until she remembers the name and she can't remember the name and along this uh, hallway there are these alcoves which have numbers one to six and in each alcove sort of scratched into the back was sort of being illuminated by the candlelight is a verse or something which describes a member of her family and whilst she sort of is very aloof and doesn't necessarily answer questions directly you know if you're asking like why are you here all that sort of thing those are more direct questions but anything beyond that she's a bit aloof and doesn't know because she's a ghost and she's lost memories if you ask her specific questions about names of her family so it's like what is the name of your mother she will answer to it and then when it goes to like well what's the name of your doll she does a little sort of uh phrase and what it is is that you need to find out the names of six people that were important to her or six associations with her that were important to her and then work out from them what the name of the doll is and if you give that to her then she is allowed to be freed and yeah <laughs> it's again it's like spooky spooky how do we finish this yeah, but it's not delightfully scary. creepy mm-hmm. anything with a small child in it that's crying automatically oh. makes you go weird and a doll as well mm-hmm. you usually make it a porcelain doll you know one of those really creepy ones oh. that people collect that look like small babies Ugh. 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 that's a whole other session in itself yes. just creepy dolls Ugh. creepy dolls yeah <laughs> 
exactly. Now, there are several component parts to this one, aren't there? I, I think it's it's interesting because you're, any puzzle that involves reacting to an NPC where they talk back to you is an intriguing one for the DM to try and manage because they have got to think about not giving too much information away. How does the NPC react to the party if they ask slightly tangential questions or if they're being a bit random or going off the, the solution a little bit? You've got to be able to keep it nice and restrained, not give too much away. And as I say, it depends on whether or not this puzzle is going to be important for progression or not. If it's just a little side hustle, mm -hmm. then you can afford to not really be as liberal with the hints as you would need to be if you need them to complete this puzzle to, to progress, for instance. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's kind of, it's really tricky, isn't it? Because you've got to figure out who these people all relate to or the verses relate to, and she won't say anything otherwise unless you do. It's yeah. it's tricky. And I will say, like, I think bar one, it's not obvious what the association is. So I, I can read out the first couple. Uh, so not his keeper, nor he mine, loved and hated at the same time. And then in brackets, it's for, for the DM, it says, this is the brother. And I'm like, is it? Like, I was like, oh. <laughs> Loved and hated at the same time has got to be the hint on that one. It's a sibling, isn't it? Like there must be something like that. A sibling of some sort, yeah. Exactly. But you don't necessarily have to get these in order. Some, I think, are slightly easier. So verse two is my first vision, her hazel eyes, my first sound, her lullabies. Like, I think I'd get that as the mother. Yes, I, I, I think, think so. Mm -hmm. um, and there's other ones that are quite cool as well. Her lives she lost all three by three and through the dark this hunter sees. And like I, I was like, oh yeah, it's bloody cat. Like yep. but that's the thing is what well, you I think what's cool, if you were going in order, because obviously these alcoves are numbered one to six, you were like, okay, so it's gonna be members of a family. And getting something like that, you go, oh, not all of them are going to be like mother, father, brother, sister. You know, it's it's more than that. And like as you go down, you've got like grandfather, the teacher. And then finally, the horse. You're like, gosh, she's, this kid's got a lot of uh, a lot of creatures to look at. Um, the hints actually are quite interesting in this, because he says you can either persuade her to give something, to give you some more hints, or intimidate, compared to before when we had investigation and insight. I guess it's quite interesting using this uh, for a way to for players to sort of suss, because it encourages the characters to engage with it rather than, than the players. It'd be interesting to see, like, would they use intimidation against a ghost that is clearly harmless? Yeah, yeah small harmless ghost child. How do your players feel about the situation? <laughs> mm, yeah, well, the barbarian may have thoughts on this. So, just tell puzzle. us the answer. <laughs> yeah, puzzle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Although, again, if you've got, you know, if you ask for the hint and you do have that proficiency, then don't forget you get these hints automatically. So. Mm. It's intriguing to think how you're going to do that. Your character is intimidating and is getting visibly frustrated without even meaning to, which causes the girl to divulge that information without really, you know, being pressed if the players are asking for hints. I think you'll get a good sense of it pretty quickly as a DM. If your players are really struggling, they will be looking to you. They will be getting confused. They will have their heads in their hands, you know, thinking about it a lot. It'll be quite obvious as to whether or not they are stuck against a wall and enjoying it or if they're still playing around with answers and they don't necessarily need a hint because they're still bouncing off each other it's i think yeah. you'll get a good sense of it 
I think the other thing to note as well, like right in the beginning when it talks about it, when you, you ask the question, she, she provides the correct response, but she also spells out the name. And mm-hmm. I think that, that obviously that's important for later on. But again, it's interesting compared to uh, so the charisma uh, persuasion check where she sort of tells you if you're not asking her directly, you go, oh, it's the mother you're saying to the, char- the other characters and you've persuaded her. She will just say what the name is without you going to prompt her. Whereas compared to the intimidation, she talks about, oh, well, I need to remember these things. And it's very important why it's spelled correctly, but I don't know why. So I think you get a little bit more information, like more direct information when mm-hmm. she's intimidated, which I think it's quite, it's quite sad in a way because you're like, oh, you don't <laughs> want to, yeah, as a me, as a good person, it's like, I just, I want them to be able to tell that willingly. But I guess that is your prerogative as a DM to change phase around slightly. If you wanted to not reward intimidation, you could easily make that into a harder persuasion check, for instance. Um, it talks about you can have the same skill on two different hints it just gives you the easier hint first and then you have to ask again for the second check so mm-hmm. it's possible and, and i think you could definitely mix this up a little bit you'd have to again think of a name that you would want the solution to be and then put some different names into the alcoves to to represent differences it, it would require picking apart a little bit and putting back together to get a different solution but you could mm-hmm. definitely do it and i think you could change around the setting a little bit as well it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be a small child it could be a page looking mm. for the name of the guest they're delivering food to for instance mm. and they don't know where they're going you yeah. can have anything from maybe sort of a shop attendants looking for an item in a grocery store and they can't leave until they picked up the right item or something silly like that um yeah there's different ways you could play with it yeah i like that because it doesn't necessarily with tasha doesn't necessarily give you that option compared to the other two and i like that this i guess it may be just, just like it's a bit harder so you might need to think more of to pick it apart but yeah it's very straightforward and like you said sort of earlier on is that you could also with the spirit being put to rest so once she does find out what the name of her doll is if she says it can pick up the doll she can then leave but she can also give hints and more information that might you know she would be like oh i remember that big bad person came through here before they went that way or something like that and or giving more information or a dangerous secret or something like that as she as she disappears yeah if, if you help her out there is definitely you can definitely make it so there's some sort of benefit to the players that's not necessarily like oh here's a lot of treasure or loot i've just dropped including this creepy doll and you're like no thanks that sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah that's always a fun thing the treasure doesn't necessarily have to be physical gold it can be a secret be careful of the man with the blue lapels or something like that and, oh and suddenly you're like oh hang on that person's been with our campaign for the last 10 sessions what, what's like, going yeah, on wait wait what dolores and she's gone <laughs> she goes into the spirit realm there are some amazing puzzles in this book and those are three examples i like the fact that your brain immediately goes for the three that involve counting letters it's something that you must enjoy without really realizing but also it's kind of fun in the sense that it's a similar idea for all three of these puzzles but different interpretations of it to Mm -hmm. get different difficulty levels so there are all kinds of different ways you can press this to make it you know, harder or easier for your party, depending on whether they've particularly annoyed you or not, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, like you said, like all these puzzles are really, really interesting. And I, all of them, I think, can be done online as well as in person. But there's one early on, which is like a step puzzle, so you have to step in a certain order or something like that to create words and stuff. And I was like, God, how would I do that online? And the answer is, I wouldn't. I'm going to do counting puzzles instead. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
yeah, how, how would you put these into your campaign? Are you looking to do this sort of thing? Like, would you avoid puzzles? Oh, good question, actually. I think certainly the members only one where it's it's more thinking outside the box it's like why are they giving numbers and stuff i think i'd use that maybe a little bit more or tweak that in a sense because i think it's that sort of thing where they have to in order to get into a place and that it could be before they had to do a lot of trials like a dungeon or you know how to get in and not necessarily do they know how to get out i think that one i would definitely use going forward i think the other two they're a bit more specific in the sense of like the creature painting was that oh you have to be somewhere where there's paintings or pictures in some respect and you maybe have to think about it because it might be i don't know not as forced but you know you oh there is an art museum like oh why would you go there i said oh good point and the haunted hallway i i I really like this idea like again like you are helping a ghost or something but i think for my purposes something that is delivers satisfaction in a way that's like oh of course it's this i think i would go for the members only one out of the three of them myself what about you yeah i think they all have potential i, I like the idea of the pictures um being put into a book or some sort of novel so they don't necessarily have to be pictures on a wall it could just be there's a spell book on the table and somebody has been doodling in it and you have to look for the doodles that are out of place or graffiti that has mm. been put behind maybe pews in a church or something like you could have all kinds of different variations on that it's simple enough but i think it could be really good fun mm-hmm. so i like the idea of the creature paintings on i must say i have to have to play around with that and spring <laughs> it on people at some point that was that, well while we puzzle out how we're going to put these into the campaign um <laughs> where can we find you in the meantime fee if we need uh, another dose of Fiona creativity well when I'm not scratching my head about going ah puzzles yes uh you can find me on the what am I rolling podcast a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast as always it's going well I am probably doing a lot of projects (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny listening to these back and going oh yeah that happened like two months ago but never mind um but yeah it's all going very well uh improv stuff's going well I at some point hopefully when the time this comes out my patreon and discord will be up uh yeah i just i need to just get oh this is this is a a reminder for fiona future fiona when she listens back to this like you should really get on that um but all the all work is there so i like the irony of it because you made me get onto mine for my youtubing stuff so vigorously and then i i guess i should probably put the pressure back in the other direction that's probably the polite thing to do tell you what (laughs) remind me when we next record how's that we'll we'll do it then definitely if you want to come say hello to me i do have a discord because i sorted it out so come to the us around discord and we can chat about all things DD and uh, whatever's going on in the world so you should pop along and say hello (laughs) ah puzzles yes (laughs) until then thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye